This time on Kawhi Fi Radio, we have an idea for Doctor Who. I'm used to seeing Christopher Eccleston swearing up a storm and being yeah, up people yeah, yeah. in alleys. Nice. <laughs> if Doctor Who did that, I'd get back on the right? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle is distracted. He's also in the Netflix show You. Yeah, I just said that. And Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Sorry. My bad. And we talk about the boy and the heron. A lot. They say it's what? too confusing to understand. This really isn't right for the news section. I just realised that's all still here. We've gone back like, to oh, it again. Uh, There's so. too much to talk about. Avalanche! Tetsuo! Kanida! Onita? It's over 9,000! Nani? Configure the language logic interface for Japanese. Wi-Fi. 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 Wi-Fi Radio. Konnichiwa and welcome, you tuned in to Kawaii Radio, the podcast we dive in the world of anime, manga and Japanese otaku culture. I'm Kyle and with me is Emma and Tifa and two of us are going a little bit deaf after the opening. <laughs> it's not Tifa. <laughs> I can hear it from here. <laughs> She's not wearing her headphones. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not. I'm not. I'm not wearing my headphones anymore now. <laughs> so this episode is finally here. It's been a decade of production. Miyazaki's latest film is finally in cinemas and around the world, and it's incredible. Oh my god. The Boy and the Heron, also known as How Do You Live, it was set to be Hayao Miyazaki's final film, but he's already back in the studio and bristling with new ideas for another, which is fantastic. So uh, that's what we're getting stuck into because we've all been to see it. We've all been very excited about it for this entire year. And uh, hurrah. It's finally happened. <laughs> now, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. We also have a YouTube channel where we share anime-related videos and interviews. And there's also a Patreon where we share additional content, including the whole other podcast called The Pre-Show. Uh, that's not safe for uh, not safe for children or, or work, but it's fun. So a uh, dollar a day keeps... Well, no, a dollar a day, a dollar a month. Dollar a day is a lot. A dollar a day is a lot. It's quality garbage. It's not worth a dollar a day. It's worth a dollar a month, maybe. Um, now, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, hot garbage about anime, you can find details in the episode description. But before we do any of that, it's almost the end of the anime season. Oh, my God. It's almost Christmas and New Year's mm-hmm. and Ugh. festive everything. And... Uh, we're kind of running out of shows to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what we've been watching. I have no idea how old I am or where I came from. Daddy! Hey guys, I gotta go! I just, I have to know. Hooray, I did that thing. Oni-chan, nani wo miru. What we're watching. And right now we're watching the cats fighting one another in the doorway. Um, <laughs> Kumo is being very chirpy as always, our little black cat, spooky boy. Um, but moving along from that and staying in the spooky theme, uh, girls, what have you been watching? <laughs> you spoke, you both, I was going to say Emma, but I'm like, Tifa's also a spooky girl. spooky aficionados on the podcast, Nothing too spooky recently, though. Nothing really spooky at all lately, huh? which is very disappointing. I miss Halloween. All right, well, I'll give some direction then. Tifa, you've been watching Scott Pilgrim anime. Yes, so it's Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is what the anime Mm. is called. And um, yeah. For all intensive purposes, it sounds like this isn't canon. It is canon. It is canon. It is technically considered canon. 
where? Like, like, like how? The like, the original authors of the comics. Oh, so oh. they involved in like production. So okay, um, yeah. well, okay. Like we we talked about it briefly on the pre-show, but um, explain to us how this kind of fits into the whole Scott Pilgrim thing. So Scott Pilgrim is obviously a comic mm. that um, many people love and then was turned into the beloved film, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Mm. Um, and then everyone was super excited for this anime, which is kind of advertised as a remake of mm. the comics specifically. So mm. it was going to delve a little bit more into that. Does but it have the same people? It does. All the same actors from the films. So you have Chris Evans, you have awesome. Michael Sarah, you have Brie Larson, mm. um, Anna Kendrick... Aubrey Plaza, mm. everyone basically. Um, and yeah, so this story isn't what it was advertised to mm. be. So technically you could look at this as a possible sequel, mm. even though it starts at the same point. So you start off with like, you know, Scott Pilgrim has these dreams about Ramona Flowers and then they meet at a party mm. and all that kind of stuff. And then he finds out that she has like seven, seven evil exes and then has to fight those evil exes. So when we go to the first fight with Matthew Patel, something different happens. <laughs> um, and well, I guess it's like basically the first episode. So it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not, uh, I don't know. Mm. Um, but just spoiler warning, just in case. Mm. But um, Scott doesn't win. Huh. And that oh. changes where the story goes. So it's a, a divergent storyline almost. Yes. But then we also see past what we get in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World as a somewhat of a sequel in this huh. sense. So it is it is a very different storyline. It yeah. does get kind of meta. And this could have been very, very good because you see a lot more from Ramona Flowers' perspective. Mm -hmm. And her storyline is really good, but it's not very fleshed out. Yeah. So, Which is kind of unfortunate because instead of Scott going on this journey with her exes, it's her that has to kind of go a bit more on this journey. Hmm. And perhaps they should have maybe called it like Ramona Flowers or something in the title mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim because she's a little bit more of the main character, but his story or, comes back into it. Or though, even, so. you know, Scott Pilgrim, Colin, Ramona's journey or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, I can kind of see from a production standpoint that you don't like, especially in this day and age, yeah. you don't want to be making uh, a film or a series where it's all about the guy saving the girl because yeah. that's kind of very unbalanced in today's media. Mm. Um, but it also seems like a weird... It, mainly based yeah. on how they advertised it. Yeah. It's not the same story as how they've advertised it. But not only that, it's like, yeah, this is a good idea. It's a good plot mm. point. There are a lot of good plot points, especially if we're looking at the part of the story which is somewhat of a sequel to the original story. So when they go kind of further beyond that, mm -hmm. um, like kind of what happens after, I guess, uh, that is quite interesting. But they never flesh out these different plot points very well. Instead, mm. we get Ten, five to ten minutes of like different characters sitting there watching anime, which is funny, but it's a mm. limited series with only so much time. How many episodes is it? I think it's only like eight episodes yeah. or seven episodes, something mm. like that. I wonder so. if they were worried about losing a lot of the audience by following Ramona or having like a divergent kind of storyline. Yeah, mm. it's kind of like... Um, by advertising, you know. So like... For example, they do get kind of like meta with it and with 
um, Chris Evans's character, you know, how he does like acting and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. acting in a film which is called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh. Okay. Yeah. And like some of those aspects are kind of funny and would ke- keep the audience there as you kind of have mm. this conversation about what has come before, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there are different aspects that like that could. They could just do that. They don't need to have like the other, I don't know, very sitcom type mm. like yeah. comedy aspects where you're just like seeing characters talk to each other. Even though that aspect of like the filming and stuff was kind of funny, it was also just way too long. Yeah. It's like the pacing of different parts were not that great. It's like, mm. I want to see more of what happens after because that part was like really cool. They could have maybe done a bit more of that or mm. even though it's about Ramona, I feel like we don't actually get to do a lot with Ramona. So oh. it just doesn't feel... I mean, as... part of the charm of the original film yeah. was how snappy it was. Yes, mm. yeah. You know, just the like the infamous line, bread makes you fat yeah. and then cut. Yeah, Like exactly. it's just just yeah. here there kind of just throws out these quips yeah but um that yeah. sounds like it's not yeah it just doesn't the hit the same like pacing yeah. as the yeah. original film and then you feel like obviously different things happen so the characters change and so mm. their personalities are not going to be quite the same but i feel like especially with wallace specifically yeah. i mean he was kind of in love with scott yeah like that was kind of the dynamic is he's his best friend he kind of has a bit of a crush on him you know Mm. um but they don't really play that out as much like you think that he would have felt a specific way about certain things and he doesn't and you're like Mm. oh okay that's kind of yeah weird Mm. yeah yeah all right well i mean it's on netflix um for those who want to check it out i mean it doesn't sound like it's bad, but it's just not what was advertised more than yeah, anything else. Yeah, it's just not what I wanted from yeah. the series. It's not necessarily bad, but there are aspects that definitely could have mm. been better. And I think it's a very divisive series amongst mm. Scott Pilgrim fans. Fair, <laughs> fair. All right. Well, moving on from that, um, let's talk about some power-ups. So we're going to talk about I Will Survive Using Potions, um, <laughs> which uh, both me and Emma have been watching. Uh, this is a series where um, oh, actually, I think we talked about this last week. I think we did. I think we did too, <laughs> I think actually. We did. Well, we're going to talk about it again anyway because it's still fantastic. Um, yeah. So this is a show where um, it's an isekai, but she kind of blackmails the goddess who takes her over. No, so she accidentally gets killed by a god. Yeah. And as a I am so sorry for killing you by accident, like he sends her to a different world because he she's dead on earth but mm. she can be alive somewhere else mm-hmm. but um the goddess that rules that world has a major crush on the god from earth as i so, said blackmails okay. her into she's like really grateful that she even got to talk to earth god's son and um so she gives this girl who died on earth like a whole bunch of wishes well more correctly she says to her look i'll give you a uh, an opportunity you can you can choose one power for yourself but she keeps adding like little. Yeah, you say mm. one power, but she's like. She, she lots keeps of adding tiny things on it, and whenever things. the goddess is kind of a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. And she's like, I'm sure the uh, Earth God <laughs> would be really happy if you looked after me. You know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's kind of a bit of blackmailing. It's kind of a little bit of like, I'm going to get what I want out of this. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's uh, very persuasive, very good at. Um, Manipulation. Dealing. Mm. Wheeling and dealing. Yeah. Also, she, like, by default had like evil eyes. Like, mm. her eyes kind of, like, give light that yeah, she's glaring like all the time. Yeah, like, part of her 
<clears throat> story character is that she was born with just like resting angry mean face Mm. and she finds it really hard because people always are kind Mm. of just a bit scared of her Mm. but the further we get along like the less that seems like a thing well i think now she's less stressed compared to what she (laughs) where she was working in her old life i'm i'm pretty sure she'd be stressed now she looks 12 she (laughs) but yeah it's become less of an issue like at the beginning it was a big thing and now it's it's not but it did still show up in the most recent episode we watched where you know they saw and she looked like she was glaring at them. Um, it was like the kids, I think. Um, maybe it wasn't the kids. Maybe it was like a one no, of the like she she bullied the landlord. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but like she had leverage other than just having a scary face. Yeah, like yeah. She, it would have made more. Well, sense I mean, ba- basically, like been... she's being touted as the angel of the goddess. Mm. Oh, her, we haven't even mentioned what power. Yeah, she can make any potion in any container she wants. She wants a tr- she wants a truck. Mm. She makes the truck the container for the potion. She <laughs> yeah, wants a sword. Gets- <laughs> she makes the sword a container for the potion. More and more ridiculous. Oh, and she mm. can speak to any animal, so she can talk to the birds and her horse. Well, she said to the goddess, "I want to be able to speak any language." <laughs> and the goddess, being an idiot, gave her like the ability to speak to animals and yeah. as well, you know, yeah. like literally any language. Also, like whenever she wants to prove she's friends with the goddess, she just insults her, mm. and the goddess will drop buckets on her head. And at one point, she uses that as a way to put out a fire <laughs> because then fair, they've got fair, buckets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it, it's pretty good. And um, yeah, it, it just kind of keeps escalating. She starts off in one country where the prince is obsessed with her and he's very much like a, a bad, like, you know, a, a negative male protagonist, not to like, you know, Gaston sort he's, of level. Yeah, he's, he's just not, he's not bad. He's not a bad person. He's just extraordinarily naive. He's like mm. a funny little yeah. rich boy who <laughs> fell head over heels with this girl who she she like provides them modern financial, economical, social advice. Mm. You know, that that is how a society runs, mm. like the best farming practices, the best, you know, all these things. But the problem is, and they is, think is, she's a genius because obviously it's set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem is, is though, is, I find is that the phrasing he's using is "I will make her mine," mm. as in ownership, and he keeps saying she will be mine, not "I want to be with her." Yeah, and that that to me, yeah, because like, he's a little rich boy, big, who's big red flag, <laughs> getting what he wants, Sweet. but he's mm. not evil. No, he's not evil. Yeah. He's mm. he's not evil. He's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. And entitled. Yeah, he's entitled. Um, yeah. Which is evil. No. <laughs> uh, delusional. Delusional, yeah. Delusional. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh It's like yeah. really low stakes. Mm. It's, yeah. it's just I mean like chill. someone dies and they just reverse it, like <laughs> like I got a good potion, it's fine. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, true. Um but yeah, it's 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 pretty good. If you like um, the Saints Magic Power is Omnipotent, mm. this is like that, but a bit more chibi and a bit lower on the romance side. I yeah, there's say. not anywhere near as much romance. No. It's Though she sillier. does keep, she does keep going on about I need to find a husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you ask the goddess to make you the minimum age required to be considered an adult in that world but the problem is you already look young so now no one believes you're an adult well it just happens to be like because it's the ye olde times the minimum age to be an adult is like 13 yeah this yeah, is true. true um so yeah um it's it's highly entertaining also like she gives a potion to a girl who and i think we mentioned this last we time we did um she gives a potion to one of the girls who um 
like saves Spent her life. Spent her entire life training to be a knight. Mm. Yeah. And now she's probably the ripe old age of like 32. And so she's a spinster, basically. <laughs> she can't tell, though, because it's chippy art style. Yeah, yeah. And they give her a potion, which apparently de-aged her. But you can't tell because it's oh. chippy art style. And also they don't explicitly say that. Yeah. Uh, we just kind of had to figure it out because she ends up getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Engaged. Yeah. Engaged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's it's kind of funny. It's it's really tongue in cheek. Um and you just kind of like you think it's heading in one direction and then it just veers off to the left and it's another thing and then over this way. It's very satisfying because it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, oh, it'd be funny if she did this. Oh, my God, she did it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, yeah. I wonder if a human is considered a container. Can I just put poison in his stomach? Oh, I can. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes she can. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's like where, like literally anywhere, any container any fluid. So any she shape. makes like soy sauce bottles and stuff as well. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's well, really. She could fun. make herself a husband then. Yes, she theoretically could. <laughs> she theoretically could. What I'm wondering is what if she's bothered by the fact that she looks too young. She could always make a potion to make her because she older. can make a potion which has any effect. Mm. She can make a potion which will make her older and look however she wants. Mm. So I'm, I'm surprised she hasn't approached that because she is an adult when she dies. She's working in like a, mm. a job and all that. Mm. One thing that's really odd about it is the opening sequence is all these flashbacks to her other life. And you're like, are they all these people coming back? No. Oh, no, no. It's not flashbacks. It's her saying goodbye. Is That's it? another deal she made with the goddess. She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, if I died, you have to let me go back. No, no, but I mean the OP with the music playing and all that is all footage of her prior life for the first minute. Only the last 30 seconds of it is to do with where she's ended up. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to watch it again. I don't yeah. remember this at all. Yeah. I mean, we, we skipped the opening because it's not very memorable. And that kind of adds to it. I was just like, huh, that's a bit of an odd choice. Like, we're not going to see any of these characters again, so why are they being shown? So, yeah. Anyway, um... Last thing, Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm. Now, we talk about this almost every other week, but that's because by <laughs> far this is one of the, like, Jujutsu Kaisen and Furiren are just, yeah. this season. Like, mm. for, for the Smashing team, Smashing it. Mo mo yeah. Most of our top two, along with um, uh, Birdhead. Ah, uh, yes, Birdhead. That's the one. That's <laughs> you can't birdhead remember. is the one. You can't remember the it's name of it. It's the one with the birdhead. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Shangri-La. Shangri-La Frontier. Yeah. Oh, Shangri-La Frontiers. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. There we go. Got there I in the see. end. So, yeah. Th those three are kind of like across the team. All of us are watching at least one or two of them. Um, but Jujutsu Kaisen is just... Whoa. We're, we're, we're hitting the, the, the sharp and pointy end of it. And as you shared in chat... In the manga, the current hit rate of people who appear on the cover and are still alive is about 50%. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so brutal. Yeah. But it checks out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can always kind of tell in a lot of animes when someone's going to get it. Yeah. Because they have, they spend, actually not just anime, you know, any, any type mm. of visual media or whatever, they spend time... With the audience, if you will. Yeah. Like trying yeah. to build them up as a person so it affects mm. the reader, the viewer yeah. more. And that's actually one of the reasons why I stopped watching Doctor Who. Mm. Um, <laughs> because they'd be like, here's a new shiny character. Yeah. Do you love them yet? Do you love them yet? Mm -hmm. Do you love them yet? Oh, they're dead. Oh, uh, what I'm a so surprise. sad you're sad. I was like, I'm not sad. 
I don't know yeah. that person. <laughs> I don't, I don't like care. that person. Like, what was and the it point becomes of this? so formulaic yeah. that I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. can't do this anymore. Yeah, and that's fair. Like, I mean, I, you remember I was trying to catch up on Doctor Who for a while there, and I got to, I think, about halfway through oh, 13th Doctor. Um, it's the older guy. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. And I was just like, I'm just done. These, mm. This is just so chaotic yeah, and so insane. so unfortunate mm. because I love Peter Capaldi. Same. He's so a great actor. Mm. And you, you can see, like, as the show goes on, he gets better at playing the Doctor, but the stories get yeah. worse. So yeah. it's like... Okay, I'm done. Um, apparently, the uh, the more, most recent um, David Tennant reboots are equally poorly written. So that's a they just keep bringing him back. But. Yeah, I mean, don't be wrong. I love David Tennant, but it just it feels it's too like much. just let him let him breathe. Like, well, yeah. it's it's, beca- it's because he's the one who kind of reestablished Doctor Who. Yeah, like, yeah. No offense to Christopher Eccleston, but he <clears throat> did feel like the stepping stone to bring the story. I up. loved Christopher. Eccleston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. I went back and watched the f- his season, mm-hmm. and I actually appreciated him more than. Tennant and Matt Smith mm-hmm. because the way that he played the Doctor was so earnest. Yeah. You know, he was completely different. He wasn't showy, really. No. He wasn't, you know, look at me, I'm so kooky, haha. He was just yeah. genuinely, he was happy, mm-hmm. but you could tell there was something going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he did a really good job. Oh, look, I think Eccleston did a great job, but mm-hmm. I'm coming, my family coming from the northeast of the UK, I'm used to seeing Christopher Eccleston swearing up a storm and beating yeah, up people yeah, yeah. in alleys. Nice. <laughs> so it was yeah. a real like, if Doctor Who did that, I'd get back on board. Right? <laughs> there's, there's a really good sketch as well that was done, um, and I think he actually went and um, played himself in it. And it's a sketch where he comes home and all his family is wearing like Star Trek shirts, oh. and they're, they're like, "No, you can't come here this Christmas. You've betrayed the family creed." And he's like, "Fine, I'll only do it for one season." They're like, "Right," and then you can have your red shirt back. <laughs> it's like, "All right, that's pretty funny." I think it was like a red nose day. Gag. I was going to say that sounds like a red nose day. Yeah, gag. <laughs> but it was it was really well done. Mm. Anyway, Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, lots of people are getting hurt injured dying it's a really brutal season it is this season means business i mean have you seen that the opening changed uh no as in just this week or no the last two weeks that ever since the shibuya incident ever since the big part of it Mm -hmm. their opening is different the characters that have died are no longer in it are no longer in it and then the part of Shibia that has been affected. When oh, has no top, lights. Yeah. Have any lights. It's all yeah. Black. I did notice and then that. The other scene where all of the people were standing there together, those are all the people that died. So they specifically made the opening. There's yeah. like a scene just before that part of the yeah. opening where you have like all these different characters there. They are no longer there because they put uh, them all in the same scene together so they could remove them. Ah, uh, it's very oh, smart. I love it when they, they I change thought, I was the wondering OP. when I was watching it, but I was like half asleep the last t- yeah. last episode we watched. Um, and I was sitting there going, I'm sure they'll do something with the OP, mm. but I can't. Mm. Uh, and they're also ending how fire the OP well. is though. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> we're special. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the, the the lyrics are weird, but like the beat of the song. Oh yeah, A+. the lyrics are pretty pretty good. Um, when you actually look at what they mean and stuff like that mm. as okay. well, and how it's kind of like it- taunting. These people, like, for being this powerful, like, you're supposed yes. to They're the special nice. people. Yeah. We're yeah. the special people who, mm-hmm. you know, but with that comes pain. Mm. 
So, mm. yeah. But yeah, Jujutsu Kais is fantastic. Um, this season's got, I think, two episodes left and it's it's going to hit I th- hard. I think I know where it's going to end. And yeah. the closer we get, the more I think I'm right. So yeah. I'm intrigued. It's going to be good. And, and the then, animation's just like... Yeah. I know like one of the creators, like one of the di- animation directors was like crying. Um, well, saying, a lot of them are. Like a lot of them were... I think there was like 20 or 30 people that have that worked on this that have gone to Twitter to talk about it because mm. their experience is not good. Yeah. Considering that they have to finish the episodes within the week as well. So like they have the bones of it beforehand, but then mm. they don't animate it fully until the week of basically, oh which God. is like how they used to do anime. And we thought that they kind of went past that when they started yeah. doing seasonal anime in a way that it's like, not like Naruto, how mm-hmm. that was just every single week. So that's why you have so much filler because they're just continuously like mm. doing that because it's seasonal. You mm. think that they would have more time to work on it, but that's not the case. They just go from like some, different s- some studios things. have made a, conscious decision to mm. avoid doing that yeah um kyoto animation is one of them for mm. instance kyoto animation now only put shows out when they're ready to go out they don't yeah. do the rush but mappa is very mm. much old school yeah like they're still doing the week to week that's why like yeah. um wondering priority was a dumpster fire at the end mm. like they they ran out of time to animate stuff it had episodes delayed they had to mm-hmm. cut story arcs and stuff for it um and then you had that awful final episode which just kind of undermined the entire yeah. show yeah. um but yeah, Mappa is going to get themselves... The, mm. Like, they're already getting themselves in big trouble with the industry and it's only going to get worse because people will just not work for them. Yeah. It I doesn't mean, matter how good the animation that you're involved mm. in is. It's not good enough to be on the resume if you, it implies that you'll take that yeah. sort of behaviour. Yeah. I mean, despite all the things that they've gone through, they've still produced really great episodes, even mm. though some of these episodes were like... I don't know, some people said they were like 30% finished animation-wise. You can tell mm-hmm. whenever it goes dim, that means it has not been completed. Yeah. So um, they're still like animating that. It's supposed to be completely animated for the DVD release. But yeah. like these animators that are working on it are still doing such a fantastic job yeah. despite these horrible conditions that yeah. they're under. Like the time restraints that they're under is insane. But yeah. they're still like managed to produce one of the greatest like seasons like seasonal animes you know it's just yeah and this is the thing like i I actually don't mind when the animation quality drops because they've chosen the correct scenes to Mm. push the animation quality up in yeah so that's it's almost like they have a baseline across it and then they they sprinkle in the parts which need that exceptional Mm. look to it um but you know what this means right we got to go through like the last episode and find the jankiest <laughs> frames. That's one of there my favorite things ones. when you see, <laughs> yeah, uh, when you like accidentally pause it and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> but just just know that any scene that Sakuna is in is just like a fantastic scene. Anything yeah. that he's not in might potentially not be as great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, do, do you remember like the pain fight in Naruto? Like oh, that yeah, is yeah. notoriously well known for being badly animated. Mm. And the excuse used at the time was that, oh no, no, we wanted to try a different animation style for it. Why would you try a different animation style for the biggest fight yeah. of an arc? You yeah. you don't. <laughs> what you're saying is someone messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Jujutsu Kaisen, go watch it. Furuen, go watch it. Scott Pilgrim anime, if you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, maybe check it out. Might be up but your alley. But watch the others first. Watch the others first. That one can go towards the bottom of the list. <laughs> uh, I Will Survive Using Potions is good. Undead Unluck is good this season as well, though we can't technically legally watch it in Australia. Um, there are ways. What happened to Zone 100? 
Zom um, 100's final episodes come out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. I'm because they got like delayed and then they didn't have the time slot anymore. So. Yeah. yeah. Also, like Zom 100, unfortunately, got put under the pressure that because they're just the production studio, they aren't the um, lead mm. one. Um, so Bug Studio, Bug Studios. I think it was Bugs. I think so, yeah. Either way, they, they were put under pressure basically to put it out the same way MAP has done it, and that's why mm-hmm. it got delayed. Um, anyway, um, let's move on to what we've, uh, well, our main topic because it's a Miyazaki. Kawaii Fire Radio. It's a bathhouse for the spirits. Totoro came back, Dad. I saw it. It's Laputa, a floating island. Yes, it is time to talk about the boy in the heron. And right on cue, our cat has wandered into the room. Mm. <laughs> He's Speaking sniffing of the up boy. a storm. <laughs> Speaking of the boy and the heron, uh, this boy wants to eat the heron. Um, so the boy in the heron has been in production since, geez, 2013, 2014, I think, was Something when it was like started. That. Technically. Yeah. So Miyazaki announced his retirement back on September 2013, but reversed the decision after working on the short film Borrow the Caterpillar. That was released in 2018. He then began storyboarding for a new feature project in July 2016. Okay, so maybe not 10 years, but eight, seven were... A good chunk of time. It's a good mm. chunk of time. It's a good chunk of someone's life. But let's also mm. not forget that COVID, obviously, yeah. takes away a significant yeah. amount of that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the film was announced in 2017 with a target release date of the 2020 Summer Olympics. But obviously by May 2020, only 36 minutes of the film had been hand-drawn by 60 animators with no set deadline which is good mm-hmm. because set deadlines re- result in this. Um, now, production spanned approximately seven years, facing delays due to COVID, as we mentioned, and Miyazaki slowed animation pace before nearing completion in October 2022. Financing the project involved streaming deals for the previous films, which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. as to why they finally went onto streaming <laughs> platforms. And according to producer Toshio Suzuki, The Boy and the Heron is the most expensive film ever produced in Japan. Now, you know what? Yeah. It looks it. It looks it. To it be does. fair, it was immaculate. Mm. So this film is... Honestly, it takes the best elements of every Miyazaki film I've seen and puts them together. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Like You can see elements of it from Totoro with how the forests are drawn. You can see elements of Pocoroso with how the ships are drawn and the ocean is drawn. And the houses and construction. Also, like, maybe this was just me, but I mentioned to Kenny um, when we were watching it, it kind of looks like the house looks a little bit design-wise like the Ghibli Museum. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of. But also, this is supposed to be technically an autobiography of his life. Mm-hmm. So you will see that in a way, because of this being his escape from real life, which is what the film is about, is an escape. Mm-hmm. Everything has some sort of capacity of what his life has encapsulated, which even includes like Easter eggs about Disney and mm. things like that as well. And the fact that the boy is apparently, I think, roughly the same age as his grandson and mm. it's supposed to be a letter to his grandson about how he's going to grow up yeah. and what world he decides to live in, which is also why it's called How Do You Live? Mm-hmm. And it goes into the original story from like 1913, which it's based on, yeah. which 
discusses that and existentialism and all those kinds of things and how Miyazaki has used this world as an escape his whole life mm-hmm. and whether his grandson or other people would choose to escape through his films or will choose a different life. Or also, that like, makes a lot of sense. Without, without spoiling anything, the mm-hmm. sort of finale and the contrast between the boy and the great granduncle really mm. does have a vibe of Miyazaki talking to his grandson yeah. when you look at it. Mm. He's saying, you know, you can take over this world that mm. I've created. You can build your own mm. sort of thing. Um, and no offence to Goro, but Goro's not going to be, Miyazaki-san is not going to be the one to take over it. Like, he's mm. no offence to him, but he's nowhere near as good as his dad. Well, you can't recreate, and yeah. Yeah. living under that shadow is... Exactly. <laughs> and I think like, that's kind of the point of yeah. the film as well, because yeah. in the end, spoiler alert, I guess, technically, is that he doesn't choose that world. No. So, like, he's not expecting his grandson mm. or anybody else to actually take over this world for him. It's just the last remnants of this other story that he has created, which is why it was mm. going to be his final film. Yeah, yeah, thinking about it in that, because I didn't know that context, mm. um, the master is so revered in that world. Yeah. But he's struggling to keep it together. Yeah. And yeah. he knows his time is coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has a successor if the successor wants it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really quite poignant when you think Mm. about it that way as well Mm -hmm. um interestingly it does say the screenplay does draw heavily from Miyazaki's childhood explores Mm -hmm. the themes of coming of age and coping with a world marked by conflict and loss um it is yeah just a bit um the Japanese novel was how do you live Mm -hmm. 1937 so just before the second Mm. world war broke out which is really interesting because this is set during the second world war Mm. um though it's like I swear when it, the movie starts up, the first scene is fire and explosions and mm. burning, and I immediately thought, "Oh my god, it's going to be like Grave of the Fireflies." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same sort of vibe in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. it's but not. It's the not. The animation during that scene was wow. new. Mm. I have never seen anything convey the panic and the chaos of a wood fire a wood mm. structure fire in a time where you know you're you're in between technologies so yeah. you know there's so much that can be done but you can't do it mm. and there's just people everywhere not knowing what to do mm. it was so amazing it was incredible i've well never done. seen animation like that yeah. before so we should probably give like the synopsis. Um, but The Boy and the Heron is about a young boy named Mahito who's yearning for his mother after she passes and ventures into a world shared by the living and the dead. There, death comes to an end and life finds a new beginning. It is a semi-autobiographical fantasy from the mind of Hyao Miyazaki. Um, the story is set during 1943, during the Pacific War, and it's 12-year-old Mihito. So it kind of it starts in Tokyo initially, mm-hmm. but then they move out to the countryside um, with his father, and his father, by the sounds of it, has uh, married his past wife's, wife's sister. sister. So there's there's a lot of kind of. Cool. Which you know back back then was kind of normal. Yeah, yeah but it's like he kind of he, it, in various like olden yeah. fashion yeah. and kind of keeping the Japan, family. You, you yeah. just go on to the next person. Yeah, <laughs> or even if you've already been um, arranged to be engaged, if that person that you're engaged to dies, you mm. 
go, we'll go to the, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that there's a lot which is not explicitly said. Yes. Like there is a lot to it which is kind of left open to interpretation, um, especially even that point about it being his pre previously his aunt. Mm. Um, so there's a lot that you know younger audiences might not. Yeah. connect with which in some situations in the film is probably a good thing mm. um, in other situations of the film it's kind of important context mm. um, the dub as we've mentioned many times before the cast is phenomenal and it does mm. hit all the right notes um, now Tifa you've went and seen both the dub and the sub yes. um, and you were saying they're pretty comparable yes so the script that they use for the dub is the same as the subtitles for the subbed basically mm. there's only a few little changes but it's word for word pretty much the same nice um, which is really interesting but not everything they say in Japanese is actually exactly the same obviously uh. as the subtitles mm. so there are some differences but as an English audience it doesn't matter which one you end up choosing because it's both going to be the exact same context yeah 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 I find uh translating between Japanese and English there's a lot more you kind of add into the English mm. language mm. like a lot more subtleties a lot more we have a lot more um descriptive languages adjectives yeah. verbs we fill out our <laughs> yeah. sentences a lot more in Japan, it's um, implied yeah. in Japanese. There's a, there's a lot of words in Japanese which have implications mm. further than their actual stated words. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things that as well, like... Um, I don't think I can give an example for this film because I can't remember one, but like some things they'll use an older term or verb for it mm. as well, which technically means something different than mm. what the current term or verb means of mm -hmm. that word as well. So it kind of changes the meaning of things as well. So, mm -hmm. mm. But there's only little instances of that and there is one point where it's not that instance specifically but there is one point where what they say in Japanese is different mm. and it's right at the end and um mm. I don't know if it's a spoiler really but <laughs> how, how far in the end are we talking like up the on the hilltop end. or no, at... like uh, oh. before they leave oh okay like it with the room yeah uh yeah kind of yeah Huh. Oh, we'll have to. Uh, it's a very when they go through the doors just before that. Oh, okay. We'll have to go back and watch it. Mm -hmm, it's just it's a very slight thing where he says, he says something to, instead of saying um, the aunt's name mm -hmm. or whatever because he says the aunt's name and then eventually like calls her mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He just continuously says. I think he just says her name basically, mm -hmm. and but he also does say Akasan, but it's not to her. But mm -hmm. the way that it was written in the English kind of changes it a little bit. Yeah. It's like a very subtle thing that mm -hmm. I don't think, like it. I don't think it matters that much. But the point of the scene is that eventually he calls her mother. Yeah. But in that scene, they very much differentiate between mother. Yeah. and um, the aunt. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's more of an obvious differentiation. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see because there, there will be people out there when this does come on home media who don't like the initial subtitles and will reword it. So there will be fan subs, which will probably try and put that yeah. in, which it's, will be interesting. It's, very, it's mm -hmm. like a very small thing that doesn't really matter that much in the long mm -hmm. run. It's just things that you just kind of notice and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. but the actual subtitling itself. So, like, if you were to, say, watch the dub and have subtitles on, it would just match. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's the, the, the original script is not necessarily yeah. exactly identical for the dub yeah. or sub that were 
they made the basis of. Yeah, but it's not mm. like one of those situations where you watch the dub and then you like try to put subtitles on and the subtitles are completely different because yeah. it's matching to the sub mm. instead. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, this film, as we mentioned, showcases pretty much the best of Miyazaki's animation style and everything. And I am aware, obviously, he's not the only animator on it, but he is, he is the head honcho and the boss, and he has the final it say. Is his, it's very, very him. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, it when I was watching it, it just made me nostalgic for his other films. I know, yeah. right? Especially in how kind of, like, fluffy everything is, mm. you know? Like, the Textual, skirts kind yeah. of, like, puff out and, you yeah. know, just, everything is like, got this softness to it that's so beautiful mm. and... And the classic serving of that Miyazaki fluffy, beautiful food. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Like the, the in, insanely thick butter mm. and jam. Yeah, and there bread. were two girls next to me at the cinema who were like, yes, <laughs> love that Ghibli food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was beautiful. Um, and also, like, this is... Um, was has been screened in IMAX format as well, which yes. I don't think any it's of the, the other yeah Ghibli films have been done, nice. which is saying a lot. Mm. Also, and we've discussed this a lot on the podcast in the news section, that this had no formal advertising yeah. agreement set up by the studio. Yeah. So any advertising you see is actually from third parties because they want to promote it, yeah. which from a financial standpoint is very smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only time we started getting teaser trailers for it was when it started doing film festival circuits yeah. before that we had nothing until yeah. it started because obviously the mm. film festivals showcase the teaser trailers or the mm. trailers for each of the mm. things involved in the festival so this is true this is true um we, this has been actually nominated for tons of things already and mm-hmm. technically it's been out for a week and it's number one at the box office yes, in the u.s it is it in is. the u.s yeah Opened wow. at number one. It's incredible. So I've got the box office mojo stats. We are a week after release. So uh, domestic release for uh, the US was December 8th. It was the same for here. Um, Japan opened July 14th. It made $56 million in Japan. It is already... I think it's still open in Japan. It's yeah, just like less so. screenings. France opened on November 1 and that's hit... Uh, what is going on with these figures? Oh, it's the opening week versus the gross week. Um, so opening week in France was just shy of $5 million. It's on 11.3 at the moment. Um, domestic in America, $13 million on the opening weekend. Uh, $19 million at the moment. And that's It's only a week in. Mm. So, okay, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Australia, we know it's made uh, 842, but we've got obviously a much... Uh, as in 842,000, mm. not million or... Dollars. Um, <laughs> it's made eight hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Actually, wasn't there a film we looked at which like made only eight hundred dollars? I think it was um, the live action. Yeah, of the the night one. Yeah. The one that Mark and you was in. Yeah. Um, was <laughs> Not in. oh, Knights of the Zodiac. Yeah, yeah which had like yeah, no Lights advertising. <laughs> its highest grossing area was Mexico <laughs> for some reason. But now that it's now that One Piece is out, Netflix has the rights to the film, and then they just advertise it as like. Like my can you yeah. uh, shirtless? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. But yeah, look, either way, Boy in the Heron is doing numbers already. Um, it's already being uh, confirmed that it's qualified for the Oscars. Um, there's a whole load of other nominations which we'll go through when we get to the news because it is nomination season. And there's a lot out. Um, but one of the things that we do need to talk about is the dub cast because 
Holy cow, Robert Patterson. I absolutely adore that he came into the studio for his first day. He had all these like voice recordings on his phone of different like voices that mm. he would been like practicing with mm. and stuff. Like he was fully he was invested. So ready. He's like, like mm-hmm. I'm going to be yeah. in this and film. Then he only filmed for two days. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And he was done. God. They Means were like, wow. Also, like the amount of people in this who they don't sound like themselves. Well, like William Defoe was the noble pelican. Like yeah. after that scene, because it's only a short scene. We're talking mm. five, six mm-hmm. minutes of uh, dialogue. After that, you're like, "Wait, that was Defoe!" Yeah, holy cow! <laughs> Even Florence Pugh did a good job because oh, she's I was amazing. I was watching it. I was like, oh, "I don't want to hear Florence Pugh again." But she actually did a Doesn't really sound good quite job. Like yeah, her. it was slightly mm-hmm. off to what her usually her usual voice is. Well, Hamill as the grand uncle as well. Like we know Hamill can do a massive yeah, of range of voices. Yeah. Um and that like you almost couldn't tell yeah. because I'm Still so used different. to I'm so used to thinking of him as the Joker yeah. mm. or as Luke Skywalker mm. or in House of Usher mm. like oh, that voice because that completely so different voice and persona in House again. Of Usher. Mm. Um, nothing to do with the musician. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just it's Edgar Allan Poe. Um, uh, but let's also talk about Dave Bautista as the Parakeet King. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> like I was watching, I'm like, I'm so happy for him that he got yes. to play the Parakeet King in it's this film. It it's a perfect role. Yeah. <laughs> like, like because obviously everyone just thinks of him as Drax, mm. and Drax. But he has done a lot, of, done other a lot of other really good really roles. Good. <laughs> yeah. I want to see him cosplay as the Parakeet King. He totally would, though. I he know. Would. <laughs> he would. Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the fact that they've got quite a diverse cast. Like they've actually hired people of you know interesting or you know cultural backgrounds as well that relate to it so lady hime is done by karen fukuhara who i love i love her mm-hmm. she okay so this is the funniest thing ever so karen in everything that she's in suicide mm-hmm. squad the mm-hmm. boys um bullet train mm-hmm. she does not talk she doesn't <laughs> talk in any of her roles and then she was announced for this and i was like What's she going to sound she's like? She's going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? It's her, but she doesn't say anything. <laughs> well, it, it's it's kind of like when the voice actress for Nezco in the season yeah. one oh of Demon Slayer God. got best voice acting. Yeah. Everyone's like, huh? Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> but like when she was announced, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> she, she can speak. And Gemma Chan, who oh. is the um, Natsuko, so the mother, she's been in... She's in Crazy Rich Asians. She yeah. is in uh, Eternals. She is in... She was in Transformers The Last Night as, as <laughs> Quintessa <laughs> as one of the robots. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know, um, right? She's also in... She's in another series. It's like a BBC series oh. where she's like a robot as well, like a humanoid huh. um, type thing. She's really good in that. I just really like her as an actress. She has yeah. like a very calming voice and mm-hmm. so I think it worked really well for this. Um, also, Christian Bale finally mm. coming back to a, a Ghibli film as the father. That was really cool. Mm, like He so almost good. didn't sound... He sounded very similar to Hal though. Yeah. So I was mm. like, but my favourite line, he says a line and it's like, I'm coming for vengeance or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I like, yeah. started laughing so hard. <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's when he's saying we'll it's like vengeance. a man yeah, will get vengeance, vengeance. Yeah, and yeah. you're like... <laughs> He's 12. Are you going to give him your sword? Like, okay, no, Batman. he's like, no, like, your dad will get vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> I will have vengeance. I will have yeah. my vengeance. Um, Luco Padovan is the 
He's the young. Kid. Um, yes. He plays uh, Makito. He's in Mahito? the... Mahito. Mahito. Mm. He's in the TV show You. In the first season, he plays oh, the yeah. neighbor's kid. Um, yeah. He plays a jet in Super Wings, the TV show, <laughs> which is based off he cars. He did a great job. <laughs> yeah, he, did he really, really did. The job. thing is, though, so he's the only character and voice actor that I preferred in the sub. Oh, oh you prefer the Japanese I boy? I preferred the Japanese boy. Oh. Even though the Japanese boy did sound a little older, yeah, um, there is something because this character does not speak words very mm-hmm. often. He doesn't speak very much. There mm. is something about when you watch Japanese anime, they make so many voices, like like noises mm. yeah. and grunts and things like that. And I <laughs> oh felt God, like do they? I felt like <laughs> in the dub, it didn't feel like he did that as much, and it mm. didn't feel like it. It just kind of felt like, oh, they're just grunts or whatever. Whereas in the Japanese, it feels like there's emotion behind each and every Mm -hmm. single one that he does and where he's placed it and all that kind of Mm. stuff. So, oddly, despite how young he looks, he's 20. He's just got a very short face. So he looks childish. Yeah. Yeah. My God. I know, right? I thought he was like 15. (laughs) I thought he was like 15, but he's in. um, I've only seen like one or two photos of him, though. Yeah, it looks yeah. a bit older now, I think. He does. Uh, the updated one on the IMDb definitely looks a bit more mature, but he still looks kind of like a kid. You know how, like, the kid from Love Actually always looks really young? Thomas Brody Sangster? Yeah, he always... <laughs> yeah. He always he's got a baby face, and I think this kid's probably kind of like that same style I of... Um, Thomas I know, to me, he looks like what they did with the cast of Stranger Things, which was dress them up. Yeah. They were young, and then they just dressed them old, like for the yeah. red carpets and things like that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's what he looks like. I'm yeah. sorry, dude, but... He's also in the Netflix show You. Yeah, I just said that. And Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> sorry. My bad. I'm multitasking and I'm male. How did you think this was going to go? <laughs> I feel like that came out more like... <laughs> aggressive than I so good. So good. <laughs> So We're mean. taking out your apology. <laughs> I'm cutting <laughs> it out. <laughs> Interestingly, in the uh, the film No Hard Feelings, he plays the frail boy at the house party, um, <laughs> which is a very odd name for a role, and I'm guessing it's like the one scene. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but look, um, this film very much follows like in the footsteps, I'd say, of Spirited Away, where it is... It is taking from the real world into another world but not because they have been spirited away but but because there is a way to get back um, mm. if that makes sense. I actually feel like it was way less linear yeah. than well, I mean, many of his and, other yeah. stories mm. you know I was watching it and I was like so what's the actual story here other than mm. he goes into this other world to find his aunt mm-hmm. well because so it's kind of interesting because the world that he goes into isn't technically a world. Mm. Yeah. It is, but it isn't because what it is is just a encapsulation of other times. It's it's a nexus point mm. where everything is colliding together. Yeah. 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 Of different worlds, different times, all sorts of different possibilities. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because, yeah, I, you can't really describe this film linearly. No, mm, that makes sense because it's all yeah. It is a, just like yeah, at a surface level, it's like a kid goes through the yeah. loss of his mother and finds himself going into a fantasy world to mm. figure out where he stands in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's pretty much as you said. That's from a from a top mm. level standpoint. That's what it is. But there is so much more going on thematically. Mm. Um, it's also interesting that um, you know 
there's a lot of behaviors exhibited by Mahito that is just very in line with what you would expect a child who's dealing with trauma and stress to do, such as like, you know, the first day of school Mm. and the events that pulled out from after that. It's very in line and believable. Mm. Whereas a lot of the time when we see people depicting children, and this is obviously an art for Miyazaki, he's so good at it, for depicting, you know, young children Mm. learning about the world. Well, yeah, I mean, he like his first um, gut reaction to the heron is to try and kill it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, if I saw a heron with teeth, I'd be a bit concerned too. So, like, <laughs> I hadn't seen the teeth yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, also the heron is, like, you, you think the boy and the heron, because of the, the title, that the heron's going to be in almost every scene. The heron's in, like, I don't know, a third to a half of the film. The, the heron is only a gateway to where you yeah. want to go. It's yeah. like the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Exactly. So yeah. it's like... I think that they tried to change the title to make it more appealing to yeah. maybe a younger audience as well, but the original title <laughs> works better. It does. <laughs> Which we had children in our... We had children in ours. Like, literal... <laughs> yeah. Don't take your children to this film, okay? Well, it's, look, look, it's, it's, it's like PG for a reason. They'll enjoy there are the beauty of it. They'll be like, oh, this is magical and fantastical. They won't understand the film. Well, right? If I took my three- and six-year-old nieces, they would be so sobbing at the pelican, oozing blood from every, every orifice. Yeah, they, and they would I be freaking out when they okay cut up the giant age. fish. <laughs> yeah. fish. There are some scenes that would be very scary to children. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they could have gone scarier in some oh, oh, definitely. as well. Like, but like the shadow men in the boats yeah. and things, I'm like, this is not for your like four-year-old child. Please take them out. Like, come well, on, I man. Well, I mean, in fairness, in our session, the four-year-old child wasn't watching. He was going backwards and forwards mm. to the mum to get snacks. Probably because he was like, I don't want to watch this. This is weird and scary. <laughs> I couldn't even watch a Disney film with trolls in it with my niece because she thought it was scary. Oh, As in like trolls, like the... Puffy hair, no, 90s no, 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 thing, no, 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 no. The Disney one with the two brothers that were blue trolls. So they weren't. They were like anthropomorphic, humanized yeah. trolls. Yeah. They were just. I don't know. She was just convinced that they were evil because they were trolls and they were. I don't know. <laughs> trolls bad. Yeah, trolls, <laughs> trolls bad. they were blue. Don't go on she internet. Like, no. <laughs> under bridges. <laughs> Fair though. Um, so one thing that we do need to mention is that this film is hand drawn. Not many anime are hand drawn anymore. Yeah, I think the last time, the last instance I can remember of like a film being hand drawn was um, Princess Kaguya, which is mm-hmm. also Studio yeah, Ghibli. Ghibli. Um, the other thing, well, the last instance of hand drawn that I'm aware of mm. was that final scene in Neon Genesis, the fourth film, and they had to go to Studio Ghibli to use the equipment because yeah. no one else has it. And that was at least three years ago now. So, well, sorry, not, it's not three years ago, it's two years ago. Um, but that's still like that means that it sounds like Ghibli's the only studio that still has that traditional hardware, hmm. and they're the only ones who can do that hand-drawn stuff. And then. that's why it would have cost so much as well, because mm-hmm. the amount of time if they're starting from 2016 to get people mm. to hand-draw each of these scenes, and obviously the like landscapes and everything of it, because you got like so many different mm. sectors of so many different people for so many different things. It also explains why they didn't want to spend too much money on promoting it because they knew they couldn't afford it. Mm. Like if they had to sell off the rights to all the other films. What so was that they the official afford, cost? We don't have it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We we do not know what the official cost is. But if you if you think about it from at least 
keeping things on a low budget. You've got 60 animators plus Miyazaki, who's an establishment of the fil- of the studio, so he'll earn a lot. So if we if we just think about it in, let's just say, in US dollars, each person has to earn, say, 50,000 US dollars a year as income. So you've got that times 60. Uh, no. I, I know it's probably more. <laughs> pretty, but... No, I'm pretty sure the average wage over there is like 30,000. Okay, well, let's... I'm, I'm bringing it up. I do in America. think that, yeah, I um, know, but I do think that for um, their like studio, I mm, think yeah. they might have a higher precedence of how much they earn potentially. Yeah. Mm. So. yeah. All right. So, ju- well, look, just on if we split the difference and say forty thousand, mm. right? Just for sixty animators for one year is two point four million. Mm. So and then it was in like they wouldn't be doing it for all of that, but if we just include all other production costs because they'll get then other people in to do other things, you times that by the seven years it was in production, that's sixteen million. Yeah, and then you've got to add on like well sixteen point eight. So. <laughs> and then and there's... like how much the voice actors cost for both sides of English and Japanese as well, mm-hmm. which you know I think it is a yeah. better decision to spend that money on better voice actors or higher names, obviously, than mm. having spent it on marketing because as they had stated, Miyazaki is a well-known name. People mm. are going to come to this theater because. It's Miyazaki. Also, they did so well getting Robert Patterson in because he basically did all the advertising for them. Yeah. People just <laughs> went nuts. They lost what? their shots. Robert Patterson. Yeah. When they found out it was also, him. Also, like the fact that um, when you the distribute it is on the distributor to promote the film. <laughs> so by not having to distribute like to promote it internationally from Ghibli's standpoint, that saved them money and they then with G-Kids doing the distribution, get a share of the international release. So that allows them to then promote it in their markets where they feel it will best work. So honestly, like we we did becry it a bit when they said they weren't going to promote it, but it now makes a lot of sense. Well, it was more that like Miyazaki himself had stated that he was unsure about this decision that the Mm. studio had made not to advertise. Mm. Yeah. And that... That was because they had belief in his name alone, and Miyazaki does not have that belief this in is his true. name alone. He's you know? a very humble dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, it'd be amazing to meet him. It's almost as if he's a master who can't, who thinks he can't <laughs> keep his world together, even yeah. though it's a huge world mm-hmm. that everybody's in love with. Yeah, and that there's uh, you know an army of parakeets after him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the parakeets so much. I it was that. the funniest part. That one parakeet that just suddenly started speaking in an almost Australian accent, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's Dan Stevens who plays um, the Beast in the Beauty and the Beast live action, and he's in the Eurovision movie and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was him because wow. I couldn't find an Australian actor on the list. I and love he's the fair. closest that I could find. I love the parakeet that would just have like a knife. Like they always yeah, do. Yeah. This is so wild. You're like, um. They're ready to eat. Can, can we talk about this? Can we like maybe put the knife down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, look, I love this film and it is. I don't know. If I had to like do my top top five Ghibli films, I don't know where it would sit, but I think it might be in it. I think it might be in the, that top five. It's in my top five. Like it is a phenomenal film. I think it's number two. Yeah, behind um, Mononoke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Probably number three for me. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's just phenomenal. And look, 
if uh, Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget beats it at the Oscars, <laughs> I'm going to be really annoyed. <laughs> I don't think that's even getting nominated. <laughs> if it does, I will be very surprised. <laughs> I think everyone Robert would be Patterson like, Patterson is <laughs> a chicken. The chicken nugget. <laughs> he would, though. He absolutely would. <laughs> so, look, highly recommend you to go and see it, especially if you can see it in the cinemas. The dub is mm. phenomenal. This is kind of what we've come to expect from the dubs that are done for Ghibli films, and it has paid dividends, and it is still – it is good. Mm-hmm. It is well done. So make sure you go and see it when you can. Um, I – cannot recommend it enough i think it's a wholehearted like for me it's a five stars it's a it's a perfect ghibli film mm. like are there going to be little bits and pieces in it that we could critique probably but that's not what we're here for we're, we're talking about the experience of watching it and you know actually con- considering like this is i'm here to critique it i'm here to critique everything but i actually don't have any critiques Oh look, I'm sure we could find something we tried hard enough, but I don't want to try that hard. So no, if you're I looking think a for lot it, of the then, critiques no. would be within the voice acting comparatively. Yeah. I think would be the main thing, and I think that some of the scenes could have been a little creepier because mm. of like just animation wise, like when um, you see some of the like face melt. When um, yeah. I think that yeah. that could have they could have really gone was something a little bit darker because the music was so dark the atmosphere of this like gothic library setup was like you know mm. so they could have had it just like a tiny bit like i i get that he's still it's not like pre-disney days mm. you know pre-disney days like mononoke and everything else grab the fireflies all that mm. kind of stuff feels kind of darker in a sense and this almost gets there but he kind of still has that level of totoro and ponyo yeah, yeah. like it was like, dark but like, it was yeah, a fluffy dark i wish it was that still some squishy. of those parts mm. that were kind of going in that dark road went just a tiny bit darker and then those mm. fluffy parts were still like as mm. fluffy i feel like I, it would I have think... been kind of an interesting balance especially as a semi-autobiographical mm. kind of i think thing. it's i think like I, I do see your point but i also am aware that he made this for his grandson yes. so he can't make it too dark yeah whereas if he wasn't making it for his grandson it probably wouldn't have been as such a good film as it is because there is so much passion artistically in it. like mm. those scenes like there's a lot of love in this yeah. film yeah mm. But yeah, so go watch it. Highly recommend it. Um, support it where you can because we, we want another one, Miyazaki. We, we want another one. Um, and that, that's kind of all I got to say on it. Tonight on Anime Communicate. Great story. Compelling and rich. Nothing brings ratings up like a little controversy. All right. First controversy of the show. Film studios have revealed plans in the US to lobby for anti-piracy site blocking. We already have that here. <laughs> and guess what? Don't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so Deadlines reported that a top executive from the Motion Picture Association has urged lawmakers to pass legislation for site blocking piracy sites. The hearing took place before the US House um, Judiciary Subcommittee on Courts, Intellectual Property and the Internet. Wow, that is an odd house. Um... Cool. Um, anyway, they're suggesting legislation is required to make internet providers and third-party intermediaries block access to piracy sites if requested by content companies. There is no site-blocking bill on the table, and there is no reg- legislation in the US for this. This is already in place in the UK, France, Australia, where we are, Spain, Denmark, and Singapore. We've had it here for like a decade. So, yeah, I'm, I, I can't believe that this is like... <laughs> 
Like, why are you so work? far behind? Oh, also, it, just the fact that basically every US streaming service now has as their like first tier that you pay for includes ads, and then everything oh else my is more God. expensive. I and know, now we right? want to block piracy. It's yeah. not gonna work, guys. Yeah, no. it's like, guys, you make enough money. Please yeah. just shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great as well because none of it's going back to the actors. No, of course not. So, no, of like, not. you know, all the actual staff who are involved mm. in the creative process. Mm. So, the film studios have previously made attempts to pursue similar legislation. The last major one was called the Stop Online Piracy Act, or SOPA, taking place over a decade ago. The bill caused significant controversy at the time with pushback from internet providers in the public and did not pass. So, that's possibly what might happen, or they might have a watered down version, which is interesting because you'd think the US of all places would like, you know, Capitalism, woo woo. I mean, like, considering no that offense Australia to our US fans. didn't even talk about piracy for so long, and like just internet laws in Australia are basically non-existent because our government does not know how the internet works. <laughs> I know. Um, I would have assumed that America would have been further ahead than yes. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no. We but- all we all watch that. TikTok questioning and the Facebook questioning. Oh, yeah. oh. We, all, we all know that American TikTok models have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Boy in the Heron News uh, opens at number one in the US with $12 million. Um, Godzilla minus one, which we do need to talk about at some point. I think we might have to hit that up in the cinemas. Um, that's at number three in its second week in the US as well. Apparently it's oh, nice. amazing. Yeah. So, nice. like... Very keen. Variety reports that um, Boy and the Heron is the first original anime production to top the US box office. Yeah. So that's big. So pretty I think cool. The, the cast, the English cast, helps with that so oh, a lot. much. Oh, yeah. Because, like, they all just want to work with Miyazaki, no matter how small, no matter mm. if it's a few seconds. Willem Dafoe was in there. Like, mm. he wants to work with him. Like, yeah. you know. He's like, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll, I'll yeah. just do everything. Yeah. All right. So leading on from that, it is awards season. So we've got the Golden Globes nominations. Uh, Boy in the Heron, Suzume, Super Mario Bros. movie have received nominations for Best Mo- Motion Picture Animated. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy in the Heron and composer Joe Hisashi's received a uh, nomination for Best Original Score in a Motion Picture. So beautiful. And the song Peaches from Super Mario Bros. has been nominated <laughs> for Best Original Song in a Motion so Picture. Bad. So we'll know the results for Golden Globes on January 7th, but... As uh, we've previously stated, because all these awards are terrible and the people who are doing them are not really watching everything, mm. we don't really trust it's that. Yeah, exactly. Horror it's, movies it's, never it's get nominated for any of these, even though some of the horror movies yeah. in the last um, <sighs> five to ten years have been exceptional. Mm. And if the Game Awards are anything to go past, they'll just blast through the animation category and ignore it. Mm. So, yeah. Now, there's also the Critics' Choice Awards, um, where The Boy and the Heron's been nominated for Best Animated Feature and Godzilla Minus One for Best Foreign Language Film. That's January 14th. There's more. The mm-hmm. Chicago Film Critics Association has awarded The Boy and the Heron its Best Animated Feature Award and Godzilla Minus One won the Best Use of Visual Effects Awards. These were announced on December 12th. That's only 13 days after Godzilla's US premiere and four <laughs> days after The Boy and the Heron came out. <laughs> like, like, don't get me wrong. They've probably seen them elsewhere at the, at, yeah, on like, the festivals. Uh, the festivals that had, yeah. But that's impressive. <laughs> that is just a... Oh Coming man, out this, strong at the end of the year. <laughs> this just defeated everything. Yeah. But there's more. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Boy and the Heron has been nominated for Best International Filmmaker, the Astra Film and Creative Awards. It's won Best Animation Award for the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, and it's won the Animated Feature Award from the Boston Society of Film Critics. I haven't heard of half of these before, yeah. and they kind of sound like it's a 
it's a club in the city. Well, it's <coughs> um, so I think they're all part of some of the film festivals that ah, this was actually um, played out. So. That makes sense. Okay, and then there's the Saturn Awards, which I love because the Saturn Awards tend to be pretty good because it's all nerds and I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Super Mario Bros. movie and Suzume have been nominated for Best Animated Film and the Chainsaw Man anime has been nominated for Best Animated TV Series or Special Category. Uh, mm. The Boy and the Heron is not um, in the running because it's missed the cutoff date, yeah. which was... Um, I, I think, think for a lot of... Yeah. yeah. But it should be part of next year's nominations, apparently, and uh, I don't think we have... like I know there will be, a, obviously, anime films next year, but there's been nothing which has had the hype of Suzume or the boy in the heron mm. that we've seen in the last few months. So Suzume went hard on advertising as well. It though. did. It did. Um, oh, and we have confirmation of which anime films are eligible for the Oscars. Nominations are not out yet, but they've just announced it. So, boy in the heron, Suzume, the first slam dunk movie. The oh, boy- interesting. Yeah, <laughs> slam dunk did numbers. Yeah, it's yeah, wild. No, it was like the number one most popular in Japan when it came out. Yeah. It was like insane. But also the type of animation that they use mm. for it is something that I think needs to be explored within some of these like um, mm. awards and stuff yeah. like that because a lot of the time they don't actually think about how for their best animation film, like how the animation was mm. actually done, which is part mm. of the art form. So I think yeah. that needs to be considered a little more than they actually do. Mm. So. so those two, uh, three, sorry, plus the Blue Giant movie, which is the jazz one. Oh. Yep. And Lonely Castle in the Mirror, which we didn't even hear anything about. It's an independent anime film from Japan. Oh, God, cute. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good, but also... Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these are all met the eligibility for the animated feature category, along with uh, it's a total group of 33 titles that qualified this year for the selection pool. So that's also, a lot. Uh, Boy in the Heron and Suzume were nominated for the Emmy Awards. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Godzilla Minus One is eligible for the visual effects category alongside 19 other titles. We don't know about the international film listings yet, though. So um, interestingly, Godzilla Minus One has become the number highest earning Japanese live action film in North America. Mm. It has earned 19.2 million US dollars as of Friday. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's also doing numbers. So there you go. Um, there's so we got a lot of news this season. Uh, this episode, but yeah. So now that we've gotten past all of the uh, the the Oscars and the awards and all that. <laughs> we can talk about series that are coming back. And guess what? My Hero Academia has got a fourth film on the way. And a live action. <laughs> wow. And a live action. Yeah. A live action? Yeah. Oh, I believe Netflix has the rights or a company associated with Netflix or something has the rights for it. They, everyone, I don't know why they're bothering now going through Netflix because you have to keep up with One Piece. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, if this you're is going to do thing. a live action. Okay, so the thing is that the My Hero Academia <clears throat> one, the rights were bought before One Piece had come out as a live action. Mm. They just hadn't announced anything yet. But yeah. now that they have a writer and a producer and stuff like that, it's so the same as the Naruto yeah. live action. They've had the rights for a long time. It's been so long. That was pre COVID. Yeah. Pre COVID. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, same with Akira. Akira's live action film adaptation for Hollywood has been in production hell for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so, My Hero Academia's got going to air a four-episode recap in April before premiering season seven in May. So, yeah, and that's uh, if you remember where we left off. Uh, we've had a tiny bit of a time skip. 
uh, things have got pretty uh, pretty dark, and uh, this this season will be dark. It is right towards the end. Um, the film is going to open in summer 2024, and it does feature the post timeskeep Deku as on the cover, where he looks you know down and rugged and you know like he's been beaten up a fair bit. We do not know anything about where this sits in the the timeline or the story arc, so that's going to be interesting. Demon Slayer's next season is arriving next year, and because of that, it is of course going back to cinemas. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so they are doing a world tour that will uh, screen the final episode of the Swordsmith Village arc and the first episode of the Hishira training arc in Japan in 140 countries starting in February. Mm-hmm. It does sound like that means that, um, well, the anime will premiere in spring with a one-hour episode. It does sound like it's probably going to be another thing the same as the other one yeah. that they did last time yeah. um i don't know if it's worth it i really don't <laughs> last time i feel like it was actually worth seeing the final episodes mm. in the cinema of the previous arc so the one with um yeah uh, the entertainment district arc mm. yeah. so the ones with like darky and her brother that i always forget the yeah. name of um because yeah. i don't care as much about it <laughs> 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 Nobody does. but like those like the fight sequences and stuff are really amazing to see on the big screen i'm not sure if this is going to have the same effect as mm. that i've just actually noticed something really weird in the listings here on ANN. so ANN have a podcast i manage network and their uh, their podcast episode is called "Is the Boy in the Heron Miyazaki's Worst Film?" Did you guys even watch the same film? Okay, so um, it's just a uh, people don't like the film. Why? I don't know if you know this, but people really don't like the film. Uh, English audiences really do not like the film. They say why? it's too confusing to understand. Yeah. I can tell why. Mm. It's not a linear story. Yeah. It's not yeah. a story that you can say, here is the beginning, here is the middle, here is the end, and explain it to someone. You'd be like, oh, and then they were on a boat, and then like these white things, they float, uh, but they're also like the next life people. But also then the, to be in that moment is like different to the, mm. like, the, the, the This is the thing, like it was the same thing line. happened when, um, oh... The film where you fall into a dream into a dream. Inception. Inception came <laughs> I out. I was thinking that. I yeah. was like, are you talking about that? Yeah, yes. like, Inception is very simple at its core concept, yet people mm. thought it was the most mind-blowing thing. And it's like, it's because you're not paying attention while you're watching, folks. Do you know how many people asked me, uh, have you seen Donnie Darko? Mm. And did you understand it? Mm. Like they were some sort of guru because they understood it. And I was like, what are you understanding that? you think it's there that's not actually there the point <laughs> of the film like... is that you kind of project on it in a way so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I i will be interested actually it's a good point i will be interested to see how like i went through a lot of imdb reviews and things like that mm. and people just like critics love it because like i don't think you can technically say anything bad about this film like from a technical standpoint if you are mm. an actual mm. critic and not mm-hmm. just opinion sort of thing like everything about not this just film a podcast like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything is like just technically beautiful everything works really well the sounds the mm. voice acting there's nothing that you can actually 
faulted on. Mm. Opinion-wise, a lot of people don't like it because a lot of people said that it was too confusing for them to follow. And so, and this was a lot mm. of um, English reviews. Like, it doesn't seem this way for the Japanese reviews, no. which is also why I thought that maybe watching the Japanese, there would be a something that we've yeah. missed or something that doesn't translate as well, but it's the same. So, yeah. I, I think I, it's just... <laughs> I think that kind of ethereal notion mm. that it carries... It's just fits a better with difference. Japanese yeah. culture yeah. and their, you know, historical stories, their fairy tales and all that stuff. I think perhaps for us, else. the reason we find it really easy to view is because we're very familiar with Japan's media production and the type mm. of content and ideas mm. that they work with. If you came into this and you've, for argument's sake, only seen like... Disney. Disney, Yeah you're probably not going to be understanding the concepts they're working with. And this is something we've always got to be aware of. If you come into this film with your favourite animated film being Shrek, you ain't going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the dance number with the outro? Where's the karaoke? I think that a lot of people as well, just they don't have an open mind about like Mm. films can just be like just Mm. just happening they need it to be a specific they need it to hit specific Mm storyline points as a formula and if it doesn't hit a formula it doesn't work the same in their minds so it's probably like because most american films are done in the three-act order and japanese films do not follow three-act order um that's also probably makes it feel a bit weird for it also i bet you they probably felt real weird about the ending being so abrupt because it wasn't abrupt it's that everything had been resolved you just didn't realize that it was resolved. It abrupt, I just, I just think like it, that final like it, scene. It was pretty abrupt. Like that it, last it just line. was like two years later, end. But I like, I still think it wasn't that like. It, it wasn't. Look, I don't think it was like super abrupt. But considering the pacing, it came from the moment before for mm. me. I felt that that last scene could have had like, you know, countryside shots and other things as opposed to just being in the room. Like you could have, you'd built this massive world and it does make sense like from a literary standpoint mm. to bring it back to the room in the book. Mm. That does make sense. Yeah. But I think like after everything that's happened, you've seen all these beautiful places in the earth and the choice that has been made, you would think you'd want to ground that choice to me, like ground know, it in the it world. I think it works better that way. Yeah? I think for the film, the yeah. ending works very well Mm. and it is exactly what it needs to be Mm. but in a more traditional film Mm. it would have been you know the family all get into the car they all have a single shot um to themselves and then you know it'd be a like a scene of passing countryside where the boy is like looking out the window and he slowly Mm. starts to smile and then Mm. a sweet Japanese song plays over the top. That is more of a... It it (laughs) is. It is. It's it's the country road ending, basically. And and that is like a very traditional Hollywood film ending. And that's kind of what... I I mean, this is probably because we haven't seen... Like, I mean, the last anime film we saw in cinemas was Digimon. And the ending ending for that was very Digimon. Like, you know, before that it was Suzume. And Suzume's ending was very much in line with that where it was, you know, it did do, for the outro credits, it had lots of... um, I I could be remembering this wrong, but from memory, the the outro credits had lots of landscape shots and stuff. Yeah, Uh. it, it is. It's like a... Everything's happy, we're all good. Da, 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 da. Like people love that kind of Yeah. Like it's kind of like a, a sigh at I the think, end. I feel you know? like as well though, 
that this notion that everyone really likes in films and they want to keep this sort of thing as yeah. well yeah. is unnecessary to yeah. yes. And yes. this is the current problem that we have with current films mm. and yes. TV shows, as we were talking about before, yeah. is that there is too much of stuff that doesn't need to be there that yeah. eats up everyone's production time. It eats up like the film time, your time watching it as well. It doesn't yeah. need to be there. So Some of the films nowadays... Snap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know... Highly proclaimed or touted as original and different, just don't follow tropes. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. Is it's true. still a story, it's still a movie, it's still a movie. They just don't follow the same formulaic tropes that everyone has come to like expect. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that type of humor where it's the surprise humor. So mm. you're like, oh. Yeah. Actually, you make a good point because, like, when I do think about it, you look at some of the other Ghibli films and the endings are can be quite similar to this style where mm. it really does focus down on a single element and ends. So it is in line with the standard Ghibli film. Yeah. But I've been, like, I haven't watched the Ghibli films for quite a while and I also have mostly been watching US Hollywood media when I haven't been watching anime. So that kind of does make sense. Like, I've been watching, like, Netflix films and stuff like that. Yeah. So I am... Netflix definitely follows that formula. Yeah, I'm very programmed <laughs> yeah. with that formula. If there's a situation in in which there is an issue, at the end of the film, you as an audience and the protagonist are then seen like distancing yourself from that issue. You know, you've gone to that issue, mm. it's been resolved, and then you see yourself distancing yourself from it. So like spirited away, she goes into the bridge, like under the bridge thing, mm. all that stuff happens, and then they come out and then they're driving away and the bridge is like... in. Mm. Mm. You're physically getting yeah. further away, and that's the end. Like it's it's over. Yeah, I just realised that I have the exact opposite problem. <laughs> that, like when I watch Hollywood movies, and then they have that extra like part. Like because the most recent thing I've been watching mm. is Loki, and yeah. then th- there's a part where I thought it was gonna end, but it didn't end there, and there was more, and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh. as they distance themselves away from it, where it's I think it. Uh, like it in would my have head, ended I was good like, there. Well, it see, would have ended good at like right at that end of that climax, and they could have just ended it there, and it would have been great, mm. and it would have been such a like artistic choice, and that's mm-hmm. where I would have expected it to end, whereas everybody mm. else would expect it to end later. Yeah, because something like Loki is for the most audience members that they can cram into that demographic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Look, I mean, these things work because they work, and this really isn't. Right, for the news section. I just realised that's all still here. We've gone back to it again. There's too much to talk about. Let's talk about not everything not being lucky and perfect with Undead Unluck. Mm. It's getting a dub. And it's uh, premiered earlier this week. Um, It is on Hulu as well, which is annoying. Yes, that was my toe. Um, (laughs) Worldwide release for Undead Unluck begins on Wednesday on Disney Plus, Disney Plus Hotstar and Star Plus. Why? Why are there three different names for the same program? So Hotstar is Southeast Asia. Uh, But it's it's just Star. Uh, Star is us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but star like, is us. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they they've got star right. Why call it hot star? Why not call it hot just star di- is Southeast Asia? Yeah, but but why not just call it Disney Plus Star? No, because that everybody knows Southeast Asians are hotter than us. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Okay, well look the um the the. The show looks like it's going to be pretty well done, the um, the adaptation from what I can read here. Um, but it does mean that we will finally be able to watch it outside. So, ooh, is it already on Disney Plus? Yeah, it's on Disney 
Oh. Sweet. Is it only I a few episodes? It's just the first episode okay, because so. it's going with the dub. So I okay. think because of the dub release, they can now release it. Okay, so good news. You can now watch Undead Unluck legally. Because I think last time <laughs> I checked it and it didn't have it, so now it has it. Mm. All right. And uh, from here, I think it's fair to say our, our last point, which is uh, important, is Jujutsu Kaisen's... Uh, Akutami Gege says this will probably, definitely, most likely be the last jump fester where the manga is still serialized. Well, so last time he said that it was either going to end this year or next year, and now mm. he's solidified that it will end in 2024. Mm. Wow. And okay. you can feel it. Yeah. yeah. You can feel we're at the They end. are running towards that you're ending. Like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so the manga has actually added 10 million more copies to circulation since season two started six months wow. ago. So Good on them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going it's going That's hard. Awesome. This this part of the the manga, which will be, I think they'll split it into two seasons, basically. Maybe because yeah. um, it's twenty four episodes, they usually do. Yeah, but it, they might still split it into two and have the final season mm. um, like as like t- yeah twelve episodes yeah. or something. But like this, like we thought Shibuya arc was like the arc. Oh no! But this oh no, <laughs> this is something else. Like, and it's still it's still kind of formulaic in the way that they've done their kind of like seasons i I can Mm. see how it's gonna go where it's kind of like slow in the beginning and then everything just happens Mm. and like it's not Mm. even that it's that slow it just feels slow comparatively yeah so So the current arc which is shibuya arc the next arc that follows on is that kind of the final arc yeah or just like it's the culling arc Oh, okay. And is that the final arc of the series? I, I think it potentially is because oh. it definitely feels like it, but there's so much that happens that it could be split off uh. at a certain point. Um, there is a pun in there for people that uh, read the manga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's spiky. There is a bell where I would say they could potentially end it on a cliffhanger and then do like a 10 or 12 episode season mm. after to be their final season. Yeah, the word sense. cull is so insidious. It you is, know, isn't it? It carries... It's like the death cull like, games to me, is what it's called. <laughs> it carries so much more weight than kill yeah. or yeah. death. It's well, what do you think Ghetto is trying to do here? Yeah, so this good. is true. He wants so a world good. with just sorcerers. Yes. And just mm. And then Kenjaku, spirits. who we know is inside of Ghetto, mm-hmm. um, he obviously uh, does not want good things either. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be good. Oh, and uh, on a side note, January looks like another blockbuster anime season, so plenty to get excited for in yeah. 2024. Slime's leveling. coming back next year. I'm so excited. Oh, did you see the trailer? The trailer came no. out. No. Like, like I saw night. that it came out, but I, it, like, I was like yeah. falling asleep at the time <laughs> that I saw it. And I was like, babe, look. <laughs> <laughs> there is literally so many shows coming out the next year. There are so There's so much anime news this fortnight. Mm. It's like, wow, I've only covered like... Yeah. <laughs> I've only covered like a week of it. I'm like, ah. Uh, mm. We don't have time for We're all that. We're so busy next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's where we will leave the anime news. So we'll be right back in a sec. Kawaii Radio. And with that big explosion, that's where we're going to leave things for this episode. So thank you so much for listening. And this is our final show for the year. So I hope no matter what you celebrate or believe, you have an enjoyable end to the year filled with anime, manga, and the power of friendship. 
And food. <laughs> and food. food. And food. food. <laughs> Friends are food. Wait, yeah. no. Um, <laughs> so thanks for being with us this year. It's certainly been a bit of a wild one this year for us. Um, and we greatly appreciated all your support. So, I mean... What on earth? We got listed in a top five list. Like, what? Yeah, it's been a busy year. <laughs> yes, it has. So next time, January means a new anime season. Oh, no. So we'll be getting ourselves ready for a deluge of amazing shows to kick off the new year, followed by our 2023 Anime Award episode. We're still figuring that out exactly how it's going to work, but it's going to be a live-streamed episode. We're going to get all fancy. <laughs> and if you're lucky, I'll be there. <laughs> uh, we've moved it to January as well, so we can give the anime series enough time to finish up properly, because normally it'd be like this episode, and that's like, we've still got episodes left of stuff. Like, it's, we haven't yeah. reached the end of Jujutsu Kaisen exactly. yet. <laughs> no, we can't rate without. Like, how can we rate it the best sequel of the year if we haven't <laughs> finished it? Like, <laughs> but um, because of that, same rules do apply. So series that are transitioning over the Christmas breaks such as Free Ren, they don't qualify until next year, unfortunately, because the no. show's not finished, and that's fair. Like, we, we've had to do this before. We hate it because we love it, but we can still give it an honourable mention. So there will be a slimmed-down category compared to our old awards, but the Cabbage of Shame and the Golden Kawaifu are returning. So, Excellent. Yes, we love the Cabbage of Shame. Oh, I do. do, do yeah, oh, really? I'm sure you'll find one. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a few. We've we've been quite good this year. We've avoided a lot of the bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just a cynic. At all. <laughs> you are. I'm just, you know, I'm just like, bring it on. <laughs> you know, yeah. How, what what can I find that I don't like? Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> bring me that file. Yeah. Let's so go. So we, we, we've got a month and a half to go through the last year of anime list. We don't have to watch everything. But we've got a month and a half to go through and kind of shortlist a few things we want to talk about, and we'll come back to you on it. Um, on that note, our Patreon members will get a uh, get to join in a little bit as well. So a big thanks to them as always. If you would like to support the channel and get access to extra content such as the pre-show outtakes and video extras, or Emma. Um it's just a dollar a day. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that Emma made a very hilarious comment in the last episode that I had to cut out uh, completely. Um, <laughs> it was the one you asked me not to make sure was online last night. Oh, it's on and Patreon. Then you, and then you put it up anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said not make sure it's not in the main episode. Oh, because you had already posted it. <laughs> on yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for. for, for really silly statements by Emma. <laughs> uh, join the Patreon. It's good. Um, we also share major show updates up there as well. Um, if you are on YouTube, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. That is where the live streams will be next year as well. And if you haven't already, join the Quiet Fight community on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, Discord, Twitter, at least for now. Twitter X. X Twitter. It's, it's your new ex-girlfriend. X Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's it on, on that terrible, bad joke yeah, for me. We'll, we're we ending might, the year. We're gonna cut that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hey, future Kyle, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been listening to Kawhi Fi Radio. Thank you so much for joining us this year. Stay safe, and until next time, watch some anime. I'm not cutting it. <laughs> <laughs>